Nothing like a couple of dad jokes to start off Father's Day, right? I feel like I got robbed a little bit, though. I, I don't, I'm just saying. I think there have been a couple of times I, I won that round. I don't know. David would probably disagree with me. But good times. Um, so here on Father's Day, I am excited that I'm here, get to, get to bring this message. Um, there's a lot of pressure on Father's Day. You know, you're, as, as a dad, I, you know, a lot of pressure to, to deliver a, a message on Father's Day. So I brought Dale with me. Just, you know, just some support, just to, just to help me. Give, give me some support up here. I, I, although I, I told him to dress up and apparently my dress up and his dress up are two, two different things. I thought that was funnier, but whatever. We'll just keep going. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we are coming out of, um, of Romans chapter six, and we've just been going through this, this book of Romans, which has been so incredible. And, and Dale is gonna help me to illustrate some of the concepts that we are gonna get into today, because they're not easy. They're not easy for us to grab, but, but when we understand, when we begin to understand God's plan for us, man, things just begin to come alive for us. And that's exactly what we're talking about today on this Father's Day, is what it means to be alive, what it means to be alive, not just to live, but, but to be alive, to, to know God's purpose for us, to understand what he feels about us. And when we go through the book of Romans, we have to ask ourselves this question. If you, and if you've been through this series, um, you know that Paul, has, this, this book is, is crazy. He's, he's just chalked just so much into it. So many details about who God is and what God does and how God feels about you and I. He talks about the law. He talks about sin and Jesus. You know, all of this stuff he packs into this letter. Paul, why didn't you just, hey, you guys are good. You need to work on, a, tweak a few of these things. All right, I'll, I'll be there in a few months. See you later, right? That's not what he did. He made sure that he spent time, put detail into, from his understanding into this letter so that the, the church in Rome knew exactly what God felt about them and what God's purpose was for them. Because the church in Rome was significant. It was gonna make a huge impact. It was gonna make a difference to, to not only their city, to their town, but to every town known to man at that time. This letter was significant to the church in general, all the way up to us, because how important the people in Rome were. And the thing that we need to be reminded of is how significant we are. We are significant. What we say and what we do, how we love people, the grace that we show is life-changing. And that makes you and I significant based on what Christ has done for us. We have significance. And we have to understand that, especially going into the passage of scripture we're gonna talk about today. We have to understand that each and every one of us that are in this room today are significant. Our life matters. God has a purpose for us. All right, 
I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, I am significant. I didn't say, turn the person next to you and whisper, I am significant. I want you to turn to them and I want you to mean it, all right? I'm, I'm gonna make this as awkward as I can make it in this room right now. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, I am significant. And you thought I, I couldn't make it any more awkward. Now you turn to them and say, you are significant. It's good to start off with a little truth. It's good to be reminded. Because when you walk out of this room, you're gonna encounter people that need to be shown the gospel. They need to be shown through you how much God loves them, how much God cares about them. And just like Paul in this letter wrote to these Romans to remind them of how significant they were to God, I'm reminding you this morning. Because we have to understand our significance because God has, has given us a way to come alive. To not just drudge through life every single day, but to come alive. And so many times I think we, we get things a little backwards, a, a little just discombobulated. And we think God does things a certain way and we just make things a whole lot harder than they're supposed to be. This morning, we're gonna unpack this first few verses of chapter seven. And in these 13 verses, Paul is going to explain to us God's plan for you and I to come alive. How you and I, in, in, in God's, and everything that God's set up, how you and I go from just living life to being alive. Anybody wanna know that? Anybody? You ready? Pull out your Bibles, let's do this. All right. Romans chapter seven, verse one. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Well, Chad, you told me we were gonna talk about living. I did, you're right. And Paul's already talking about dying. We already got to dying already. But listen, what, where we came from in this past chapter, we came from Romans chapter six, verse 23, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. For the wages of sin is death, but free, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Death stops life. What causes death, we understand from this verse, is sin, but what creates life is God. And Paul's saying in this first passage, I, I, am, I am speaking to those, I'm assuming that, that know the law, and that the law is binding on a person as long as as that person lives. So the, the, the law for us has one job. It has one job that it does and it binds. It hems us up. It ties us down. 
That is the job of the law. And it comes along and it puts us in a position that we cannot move. Paul gives us an example. Let's keep going. In verse two, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Verse three, According, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. I think there's no coincidence that Paul uses this specific illustration with a, a, a wife, a bride, and her husband. Because in this, there are, there are two things that he's alluding to. You and I are the bride. See that in multiple places in the Bible? You and I are described as the, the bride of Christ, his beloved. That's, that's who he loves, right? We are his bride. And in this passage, Paul talks about the husband being the law. We're bound. As long as we live, we're bound to this law. Now, now is Paul saying that husbands are no fun or husbands ruin everything? Of course not. Kinda. I'm just kidding. What Paul's saying is, is that we were never supposed to be bound to the law. That was not what we were supposed to be connected to. The law is, and what he's saying, the law is a, is a terrible husband. That was not supposed to be our connection. That was not supposed to be what connected us to our heavenly father. Look in verse four. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, not bound to the old husband, but so that you can belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that you may bear fruit for God. Verse five, get this. For while we were living in our flesh, our, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So when we're connected to the law, there's death. But we were never supposed to be connected to the law that we were, we were supposed to be connected to another. We were supposed to be connected to Jesus. And what he says is that, but we were released from the law having died to that which held us captive so that we don't serve under, we serve under the new way of the spirit, not the old way of the written code. And in reality, sitting in this room, 
whether you've been in church your whole life and you understand, when I say the law, you understand what that means. 10 Commandments, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, you've got, you've got all of these books of the Old Testament that lay out the law, the standard that you and I are supposed to meet. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you have no clue what any of that stuff is sitting in here today. And that's totally fine. But the reality is that all of us sitting in here, we have set up some kind of code that we live by. Some kind of code that justifies us. That says, well, I, I'm right. I, I'm good. This is the way I'm, I'm supposed to act. I don't have to apologize for that. I'm, I'm good. I've, I've set up this, maybe it's a moral code, whatever it is. Maybe it's Pirate's Cove from, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know what your code is. But everybody in here has a code. Did you know that mannequins have codes? <laughs> You're not gonna believe what it's called. The mannequin code. <laughs> that was the best I could come up with, short notice. You know what I'm saying? But to, for, for Dale here, this is, this is, he's a boy, by the way. There's been some confusion. It's a mullet. He came to party today, y'all. That's right. For him to be a good mannequin, there's some things that he's got to uphold. And if he doesn't, then he's not a good mannequin. He has failed as a mannequin. You shall stand up straight. You shall not fall over. Your arms shall not fall off. They do, actually. If you move them, they, it's weird. <laughs> you shall not move. If Dale starts moving, it gets real creepy real fast. <laughs> I'm telling I know that there's some people in here that if he made like one little move, they would be darting out of here so fast it would make your head spin. But D Dale's got some, he's got a code that he lives by. But, but what happens, Chad, if, you know, the wind blows and it knocks him over and his arms fall off? He's not standing up straight anymore. What happens if somebody walks by him and, and bumps him and he falls over? He failed. What happens if he's out in the sun and the sun melts this beautiful plastic? He failed. Now, could he have done anything about that? No. You got more in common with Dale than you thought you did walking in here. In the same way, you and I were never meant to, to be contracted. We were, we were never meant to be connected with this code, with any kind of code that, we, that we've set up, whether it's what God sets out or what we have just made up, we were never supposed to, that was never supposed to be where we get our source of strength or our connection. Our relationship with God was never supposed to be contingent 
on the law. Because, and I want you to write this down, connected to the law, death is produced. It's simple as that. Connected to the law, death is produced. Paul's super clear about that. Connected to Christ, life is produced. Connected to the law, death is produced. Connected to Christ, life is produced. And what Paul is doing here is he's cleaning up a relationship that so many of us get stuck in. This, this continual churning of my, I have, to, I have to be this way. I have to live up to this standard. I've, I've got to make this happen. I, you know, I, it's just this churn that we wake up to every single day. But that was never supposed to be the way. So, if the law was never supposed to be the way, then why did God create it? What role does the law play if, if, if the law was, is so just wrong and it creates death and all this other kind of stuff, then what role does it play? Why did God send this to us? I am so glad you asked that question. Verse seven, listen to this. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? Paul's phrase, by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not, had not said, you shall not covet. Verse eight. But sin seized an opportunity through the commandment, producing in me all kinds of covetedness. For apart, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. So it's not the law that's bad. The law is not sin. What Paul says is that it simply reveals sin in us. And I love how, how transparent Paul is right here. It, I mean, I think it's incredible that we get to see an insight of something that Paul struggles with. He tells us right here that I, I struggle with coveting things from people. But I wouldn't have known that. It wouldn't have been pointed out to me if the law wasn't there. It wouldn't have revealed in me that that was an issue if the law wasn't there. The last part, he says this, and this is so crucial to this passage that we have to understand. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. So sin points out, it reveals, or the law points out, it reveals sin in us. And the question we have to ask ourselves is where does sin lie dead? Where is it? It's in us. Sin is in us. It was always in us. We inherited it from the moment that we were born on this earth. It was just laying dormant in us. 
until the law began to bring it to life, began to reveal it in us, began to point it out in us so that we began to see it and understand that, oh my gosh, this has been with me all along. It wasn't something that came from the outside. It was me. Because we can, we can know the law, but until the law, until the law is on us, we're not going to see the sin that's in us. Now, Dale's going to help us again with this illustration. As you notice, Dale has a sweet head of hair. That's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> now on him, it's just a wig, right? A mullet wig, which I can't believe I found this thing, y'all. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> on him, it's just a wig. Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. But on me, it comes alive, y'all. There's a reason why my wife isn't in the room. <laughs> it even matches my beard. That's the weird thing. Like it just, it just, it blends, y'all. It just comes alive and, right? On Dale, this thing was nothing. It was dead, but on me, it comes alive. And just like sin, everybody in this room's like, that is so wrong. You need to take that junk off. Hold that for me. But that's exactly what happens. <laughs> Sorry. Until it's revealed in us, the law comes along and it, until it reveals sin in us, it doesn't come alive. It lays dormant, just waiting. Just waiting. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Sin does not come alive apart from us. It doesn't come alive apart from us. And you say, well, well, Chad, this, this whole law thing, this is, we haven't gotten to life yet. When, when are we gonna get to that part? Because that's what you said we were gonna talk about. Listen to this, verse nine. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the, when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Paul says, I was, I was once living like all of us in this room, once I was, I was living apart from the law. He says that I, was, I took the law and I pointed it out to everybody else. The law was, was out there for them. And if you see Paul's past, what he, he even justifies killing people because of the law. 
That's how severe this was for Paul. The, the, the law was out there. I took the law and I judged everybody else based on the law. And my assumption was I was good. I, I'm good with the law. I just need to judge everybody else. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're judged and they, they pay the penalty and the, the punishment for breaking the law. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. Paul says this in the second part of this verse. Gosh, it's so good. But when the commandment came, sin came alive in me and I died. When I turned the law on myself, I realized that it wasn't them, it was me. It wasn't them that broke the law. It wasn't them that was wrong. It wasn't them that had gone against God's standards. It was me. And he realized at that point, <laughs> I'm not alive. I'm dead. It's funny, our nature a lot of times looks at the Ten Commandments and we say, that's not what I do. I, don't, I haven't broken any of these things. I'm, I'm good. Maybe every now and then I, I might do something bad, but you know what? Here's the, here's the classic line. Here's the phrase. But I've never murdered anybody. Let's go to the lowest common denominator and yeah, check. We're good. I've never murdered anybody. The problem with that statement is, is that <laughs> it's in you. Don't be fooled that it's not. Don't be fooled that wh whatever commandment you want to pick, that you want to say is your lowest common denominator, don't say that you can't do that. I will never do that. Don't say that. That's fooling yourself because God wrote these commandments because he knew my heart. He knew your heart. He knew it was in there. Under the right circumstances, it's there. It's just lying dormant. It's, it's there. Sin is inside of you deep. It's connected to everything that we are from the moment that we start crying, it's there. And a lot of times we're, we're right. It's, we haven't committed a lot of this stuff. I haven't done that. But where we get it wrong is that we don't realize that it's fundamentally who we are. Verse 10, the very commandment that promised life promised to be death to me. Why did this thing that came along that promised me it was gonna bring me life, 
this, this law, these standards that came along that were, that they were supposed to, to justify me and they were supposed to give me life. Why did they produce death in me? Because God loves you so much, he sent a Trojan horse inside to destroy the very thing that wants to kill you. Praise God that he did that. And he took what Paul says, what was promised to bring life and he produced death so that we, can, we didn't just live anymore, but we came alive. A lot of times we think that the law is gonna reveal our righteousness and instead it reveals the depth of our depravity. If you're taking notes, write this down. The law does not reveal to us what we shouldn't be. It reveals to us what we are. It's not do's and don'ts. It reveals, it starts calling our name out. Revealing the truth about our sin and our struggles. And if you walked in here today, you walk in here with sin and things that you struggle with. Listen to this last part. For sin seized an opportunity through the commandment. This is verse 11. Deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and it's righteous and it's good. Did that which is good then bring me death? Paul says by no means it was sin producing death in me through what was good, sending in the Trojan horse to pull it out in order that sin might be shown to be sin. It reveals reality and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. This one phrase wraps up this whole idea that Paul is trying to get across about what our way to life is. And he says that through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure or completely overwhelmed. So that when we begin to look at the law on ourselves, when we begin to examine it, the, the law begins to examine us We've got nothing. We've got nowhere to go. It completely binds us. It wraps us up in our sin. It flies us out as far as it can over the ocean and drops us in. The law doesn't come and say, well, you need to make some changes and, you need to, and then you're, you're gonna be good. Nope. The, the beauty and glory of the law is it gets us to a point that we're desperate. We've got no way out. We're completely drowning in our sin. 
We can't swim, we can't kick, we can do nothing else. We are completely surrounded, overwhelmed and drowning in our sin. And what brings us life is what he says in, verse, in chapter six, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but it is the gift of God that brings us eternal life. And we get to use the most powerful thing that God gives us, and that is our ability to cry out to our heavenly father. And at that point, the law becomes the most glorious thing that God has presented to us outside of Christ is that he allows us to see how deeply in trouble we are. And at that point, we say, God, I need you to save me. I can't do this. I can't change this. I can't stop this. God, I'm completely overwhelmed and I need you to save me. And at that moment, when that phrase or that word or that cry comes out of the depths of our soul because we understand our depravity, that very moment, God reaches down in the water that we're drowning in and he yanks us up. says, I've had a plan all along. I've just been waiting for you to cry out. Just been waiting for you to realize. I already sent my son on the cross that did not have the sin inside of him. He didn't have that depth of depravity that you have. He didn't have any of that on him and because of that, he took your place. He replaced his life for you on the cross to pay your penalty and to bring you to life. The law, our standards, our morality, whatever makes us right, that's not the way. It's not the way for us to come alive. It is only by the revealing of the law and sin and the rescuing of our Savior, Jesus. This morning, what overwhelms you? What is it that's overwhelming you? What is it that's got you bound where you feel like that you have been just locked up in chains for maybe years? And maybe every night you say, well, I'm gonna do better tomorrow. And every day it stays the same or it gets worse. This morning, would you be so bold that you would let the law examine you and point out the death that's inside of you 
to the point that you say, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of trying to fix this on my own. I need another way. Because here's the fact. The moment you die and Jesus lives, sin dies and you come alive. The moment you die and Jesus lives, sin dies and you come alive. Listen to me. We don't come alive the moment that we're born. We come alive the moment that we meet Jesus and he changes us. The Bible says it is a rebirth, that it changes us from our dead sinful self to our free, grace-filled self. Because the old way we were, our standard was the law and we had to meet it or we failed. All of us failed, done. But by the moment we meet Jesus, he comes alive in us. And we are able from that moment on to have the strength to overcome our sin, to have purpose in our life that's given to us by God Almighty. And then what we get to do from that is we get to spread that to the people around us. Help them to understand the same truth that has come to us and for them to come alive with us. This morning, I hope for maybe some of you in this room that you are bold enough to let the law examine you. And maybe for the first time, you cry out to God and say, I need you to pull me out. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for this beautiful law that you sent us that reveals the death inside of us, that reveals how much trouble we're in, God, and gets us to a point of desperation where we say, God, I need you. I need you to save me. I know that I am overwhelmed with my sin and I need you to provide a way out. And God, we're so grateful that you look down and say, I've already made a way. I've already made a way for you. It took a great sacrifice, but I loved you so much that I made a way for you to get out. God, I pray that there's anybody in this room that's sitting here in that place that says, God, I need a way out. That the law has examined this morning and realized that they're sinking. God, and they wanna cry out to you for you to save them.
God, I pray that they would be bold this morning. If that's you right now in this place, would you say this prayer with me? And this is just an opportunity for you to be able to cry out to God and I'm just here with you. And it goes like this. Pray this with me. God, I'm overwhelmed with my sin. I want you to save me right here, right now in this place. I want to be alive. I don't wanna just go through life. I want you to bring me alive today in this place. If you prayed that this morning, would you do one simple thing for me? Would you just raise your hand up high as you can? We got some people walking around. They're gonna give you some Bibles. Raise your hand as high as you can. Keep it up. We're gonna give you, we wanna give you something. Put it in your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? God, I pray today for those who are in this room that, that are believers, that love you, God. I pray this morning that we would not go back to our old ways. I pray we wouldn't go back to the old way of thinking that I can live up to the law. And when we go back to living by that standard and instead of living by the standard of grace that you paid for us to live by on the cross. God, I pray that you would cover us, overwhelm us with your mercy and your grace. And you would remind us again that we are significant to you and that you love us beyond measure. And we have the ability and the power to love that same way to those around us. God, thank you for the law. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word that reveals truth to us. God, may it strengthen us as we go. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.